Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. We just released a YouTube video that's been the most popular video we've released in a long time, maybe ever. It's already almost at 50,000 views. And the reason why is, well, here I'll play you a clip. I think when we tell people what we're doing, they're going to think we're crazy. It's scary. We've put so much of our hard effort into this farm and we've built it up in the last five years and now we're going to leave it. It's true. We're leaving the farm that we've been working for the last five years. We've been building up. We've been making an incredible place to grow so much food from. Why? We're going to tell you in this episode of the Homesteady Podcast. The world that we live in is a crazy place. This is a pandemic. In a toilet paper tussle. Inflation hitting a new... They're protesting. But you and me, we can make a difference. By just starting a garden, harvesting rainwater, raising some meat chickens with a couple of friends. All these little steps, bit by bit, it makes life better for you, me, and our kids. So if you've wanted to start homesteading, or maybe just grow your homestead a little bit bigger this year, well, you found the right podcast. Cozy up, it's time for another episode of Homesteady. I have, I've worn annoying clothing, cheap work clothes for my whole life. This year, Cujo sent me a pair of their brand new work clothes. This episode is brought to you by Cujo. Uh, they sent me a brand new pair of their work pants to try out. They did a limited run. If there are any left, order them now because literally I wear that pair of pants every single day for as long as it's warm enough outside to wear them. They're made for summer work, so they're nice, lightweight, breathable, flexible. And for grazing, I'm up in the fields. I used to wear shorts because I hated being out there in the heat, working in the hot heat. But you stopped wearing shorts because you're tired of flies and bees stinging you. When you're working around the cows, there's so many flies. So you're in shorts and you're constantly swatting at the flies. This year, I got these Cujos. They have holes where your calves are. Like mesh. Mesh. So when the wind blows, it feels like you're wearing shorts. They're stretchy, so you don't get that. I mean, come on. If we're, if you're not, it's 2022. If you're not wearing stretchy pants to work. Change your life. Change your life. You're doing something wrong. They're lightweight, breathable, stretchy, durable. 
They survived a whole year on my homestead, no problems. I, I'm, I'm not lying when I told you I wore this one pair every day from April till October. And don't think you're the only ones that Austin is telling this to. He, I have sat through this oh, with a conversation with your parents, uh, with your grandparents. You've talked about these pants. This is an ad. I think to every member of your family. <laughs> like you haven't seen your grandparents in three years, and you definitely talked about them these about pants to them. Cujos. Yeah. Like Mima. Oh, and I even gave them my coupon code, which of course we'll give to everybody here. Uh, coupon code Homesteady. Cool thing about Cujo, they do pants, they do work shoes, and they're growing their line. And we know the owner, and he's actually like asks us questions like, "What do you like about this thing?" So I can't tell you what products are coming next. But did you just wink at me? Yeah, <laughs> you can't I, tell me. I can me. tell you, my friend. I can tell you later if you want to know. Um, but they'll give you a lifetime discount, ten percent off coupon code Homesteady every time you buy shoes, ten percent off. So they support our show. Thank you, Cujo, for bringing it this episode. And guys. If you're looking for a great gift this gift-giving season, order them now. It was limited run. I hope they restocked because I could use a second pair because wearing the same pair every day during chores. Is that what you want for your anniversary? Things got a little funky. (laughs) (laughs) Cujos. We've got some big news. Do we have to rewind to do this properly on the podcast? I think we could do a quick recap of events that have led us here. Okay. So, I won't play the rewind sound effect that's overdone and really obnoxious. (laughs) If you're listening on headphones. Yeah, you'll thank me later. Let's rewind. We'll put a nice music here. Nice music. 12 years ago, we were having a baby boy, which we hadn't planned on, but life throws you unexpected curves that end up being the way your life was supposed to go anyways. So, Whoa, this, we, this. Yeah, we ended up with a little baby boy in a three, third story apartment, and I wanted to feed this little boy as best as we could, as best as I could. For me, personally, that meant Growing some vegetables in the backyard. You wanted to feed him the best we could as well. I'm not leaving you out of this. <laughs> well, it's funny because we were, I mean, people might be listening to this right now. Third story apartment, Taco Bellers. We had like our go-to meals at Taco Bell. We weren't really like these foodies who were like looking for the best quality food until we had a baby and suddenly we you start thinking like, your own long term. You your watch baby. one dang documentary. You watch one food ink and everything's ruined. And everything changes. <laughs> and you wanted to provide the food, the meat for the family, and the best way you could think of in that situation in the middle of a city was to go hunting. Yeah, and that is such a huge change from what I grew up with. Most of the people listening probably know a lot of our story, but there's new people every day. I did not grow up on a farm. I did not grow up in the country. I had never shot a gun the day I met you. You're Uh, welcome. Yeah. (laughs) I bring only good. So the idea that suddenly I was going to start hunting, not because I wanted to be a hunter, but 
well, you know, we need some good quality meat and we live in an apartment. There's no other way to get it. Yeah. But other you than had... buying it, which we could not do. We were dead broke. But you worked in construction, which meant you had these big properties available to you where you saw deer all the time. Oh, yeah. And that, that the birth of our little boy just pushed us both to do more as far as providing for our own food. So we did. You started a garden in the backyard of an apartment, which there were other people too. And your garden was kind of like a battle of not only gardening is a battle enough, right? You got to fight with like weird worms and squash bugs. But then the neighbors and their dang weed whacker. Yeah, like one time they would weed whack, they chopped down my rhubarb. Uh, or we would have guests show up and they like picked my peppers before, before they, they were, were ready. ready. Oh man. So yeah, it was, a, it was a struggle. We struggled in those early <laughs> years of gardening. And at the same time, I was out in the woods learning to hunt. In the whole first year, you didn't get anything. Oh man, saw a ton of deer, learned a lot of lessons, didn't get anything. Next year went by, still in the apartment. I finally you got your first deer. Fir- it actually was like it was like the very beginning of October. I got my first doe. You actually grew some tomatoes. We didn't start like we didn't sit down and say, you know, honey, I've been thinking it's time for us to become homesteaders. But we look back now and we realize like this is where it all started. Yeah. Then life shifted. We were pregnant again. The house where our apartment was was being sold. So we were kind of forced to make a decision. What were we going to do? We could find another apartment in the city. But both of us, I think, had this desire yeah, to this point. have a little land yeah. and have more of the food production on our property. And at the time, again, it was not like, let's plan to be homesteaders. It was just... We knew at this point our life was heading in a direction where you had grown up on the farm, country life. Yes, I grew up on a farm. We didn't farm. We hobbied with animals. (laughs) So it wasn't like we were producing anything. But as I got older, we built a barn. My dad let me get some horses. My mom had chickens. A goat was thrown in there and a donkey. So it was very much like chickens. We call it the family farm. It wasn't a farm business. It's a piece of property where... Where my great-grandfather farmed. They used to run a farm from it. With cows and sheep and stuff. But that hasn't been done here in a long time. Yeah, so... So yes, but that's what I wanted to get back to. I think my... Like, I did my garden... And then I wanted chickens. Like, that was my goal. Property where the kids could run outside and play and we could have chickens. And you wanted somewhere where you could walk outside and shoot a deer. And we both agreed, like, let's find a little piece of property. Well, let's find a little, you know, let's do this, move to the country. But really quickly, it became a piece of property because... We were broke. We were so broke. (laughs) We were broke. We... Yeah, we were newly married with two kids already, and we were broke. Property prices in Connecticut are high. Taxes are high. So we didn't have very much saved up. Um, It was going to be hard to get a mortgage because your employment was so different, I guess. Your your hours were always different every week. And yeah, they just couldn't like pin us down the bank. (laughs) I was in construction and it was very hit or miss. I would go on unemployment throughout the winter. We had side hustles. I did snow plowing, but the bank didn't love us. No. And that's 
we've talked about this before. They, they said to us, it's going to be really hard for you to get a mortgage. You're like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I think at the time that felt a little offensive. Yeah, we were not, we didn't walk out of the bank like, oh man, wow, wow we're so, so nice. I love it. But looking back, I mean, we're pretty square. It's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people listening probably feel square in the round life right now. Yeah, whoa, yeah. So really, jokes on all them roundies. <laughs> we're all, yeah. Yeah, we just didn't realize, but for us, you and me are both pretty stubborn. Right, when we come up with a goal. Determined. Stubborn's the negative. Man, we were determined. determined. Like, this is what we were going to do. It didn't matter what some lady at the bank said. We could still do this. Yes, exactly. Some people hear the lady at the bank and they're like, well, there goes my dream. We were like, oh, yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you, lady at the bank. We'll figure this out. And we just decided we're going to find a piece of property and put up a tent. Glorified. Did it start tent. as a tent? It started pretty basic. Yeah. And we did think, like, how can we do this in the least expensive way possible? And the yurt. The yurt dream began. Now, if you don't know what a yurt is, you're everyone listen- listening you're to this listening podcast, you're listening and knows, you know. Everybody yeah, you knows know what, what a yurt, yurt is. is. Basically, it's a canvas walled, insulated, insulated, circular tent. Yeah, it's more home-like than tent-like, but they're very modular. They're easy to move. The, the p- appeal of the yurt, you see them all over YouTube if you're looking at, you know, alternative lifestyles and and even so a lot of homesteaders start off with yurt. Low cost to get the structure up, mm-hmm. right? You can get walls and a roof and they're used. I mean, yurts come from Mongolia. Think about the Mongolian steppe, right? Tundra, cold, wind, snow. Yeah. They're it's like made. You've been there. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a lot you're, of your videos. Boy, you're, you're, you're sending me to Mongolia with your descriptions. <laughs> it's cold. Someone wind. is listening right now in Mongolia and like, what? Looking it's not around. at all what I'm it's sure like, we have one download. If you're our one listener from Mongolia, please email us and say hello. And tell us, what is Mongolia actually like? In the videos, it's a desert. It looks cold. It's a, um, it's a, what do you call Arctic desert, kind of. So it's dry. Yeah, so you get cold. the whole thing. Yeah. And anyway, they're really nice structures. And now they have companies in the United States that make them. And, and it was, I, it definitely has grown, I think, the yurt from when movement we first from when we started looking over, 12 years over, ago. Yeah, this is 12 years Yeah, there ago. was like two, two companies we could oh, find yeah. in the U.S. And it was still going to be like 20 grand, but we could do that. We could swing 20 grand. You know, even the bank would loan us 20 grand, yeah. I think. Yeah, we figured we could figure out how to get 20 grand yeah. and, you know, and another 10 grand for this or that. And then we could probably get a loan for just the property. Right. Anyway, so we the, did start looking at property then. We were not going to take no for an no. answer. This so, was like, we're doing this. So we started looking at our properties and the only properties we could afford were like on a cliff. Uh, I remember that one we looked at was pretty literally much Literally a, a cliff. cliff. Yeah, literally. But hey, if that's what we had to do, that's what we were going to do. Yeah, because we just wanted to have our own little place, our own little, what now we refer to as a homestead. At the time it was just, we just wanted a little place in the country. Just a home. Yeah, we didn't even plan on animals. You were thinking chickens, I think, and you're, you had like a... My evil plan. 
backdoor chicken plan going on. But at the time, it wasn't like we're going to have cows and we're going to make cheese and we're going to have pork and pigs and all this other stuff. So it just, we kind of stumbled into this and we decided this is what we're going to do. And that's when we started telling people. Back then, it wasn't through a podcast. It wasn't through YouTube. Back then, we just had our friends and family and we were like, hey, guess what? We're going to move out of this apartment and into a yurt. And they were like, what is a yurt? <laughs> and and uh, Grandpa, my dad, said, mm, when he found out what a ute was, no, you're not. <laughs> We're going to come up and go house shopping. Yeah. That's that's the way that went. Yeah. We With me, big pregnant, a little baby already, a yurt was a dream that, that wasn't going to happen. But we did find our first homestead. Yeah. So that simple little, you know, when you picture this yurt dream of ours, we didn't really care about the yurt so much. It was just our little off-grid place, simple, small, with our little family starting all on our own. And instead, we got a very nice beginning to our life as a family. Um, We wound up, time passed, and we wound up being able to, uh, with help, be able to get a house get a little bit of land and it was way more practical than like we're going to build a tent on raw land. Yeah, yeah, it was it was more practical. And I think and we were happy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people especially early on we're we're, we're wise 35-year-olds now. Uh, early on in life I think society's like pressure to fit in that round hole, right? Instead of just being like, hey, I'm square and I'm going to live a square life. We were malleable enough that, you know, we, we, could, were we got and... there. We were young. We really value our parents' insight and their experience. Whether it was planning our wedding or buying a house, we really relied on our parents a lot. Yeah. And not just parents. Like, to say at, I mean, we were having kids. We started early. So to say at like 23 years old, no, we're not going to grow, raise our kids in a traditional home. We're going to go live in a tent, which is what everyone, when they see a yurt, they're like, you're going to live in a tent? Uh, I don't know that we had the, I know for me as like a, a man of the house, I didn't yet have enough of that man of the house power to just be like, yes, don't worry. We're not crazy. We're going to do this. It's what's best for us. No, I don't think we had that yet. And that's what I mean because... We were young still. Yeah. We were young. And looking back, I mean, our life's been great. We've gotten to this point and all these things we wanted to to do with our lives, we've been able to do. So it was not like we look, there are, you're really good. You've taught me this in life. Regret, usually pretty pointless to have a regret. And I totally, I think that hindsight can be very valuable because it can shape the decisions you make in the future and how you change what you're doing based on experience that you've learned from. But there's no sense sitting here looking back and saying, oh, I wish we did that. But we didn't, so. Yeah. This is what we did. We had our house, and we started our homestead there. And that was the birthplace of us actually homesteading. At our house in Connecticut. Yes. A lot of what everyone sees today through the YouTube channel or listening through the podcast really originated there. There is where I, I actually became a good hunter, right? I started hunting a lot more as we moved to the country. And a podcaster. Oh, I'm getting to that. Don't oh. you, you jump in the gun here. 
you know, gardening. We, we did a lot of gardening there. Animals. Chickens. We started chickens. And that's where we found our, like, this, our sweet spot. Animals. Yeah, yeah we started our chickens, then our meat chickens, then our pigs, and then our goats, and then some sheep, and then a cow. And we actually, on that 10-acre homestead in Connecticut, uh, we were meat independent off that 10 acres. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't raise all the meat we liked to eat. We had no beef. But as a hunter, there was a lot yeah, of Yeah, we didn't meat. eat much beef. No, we ate a lot of venison. Venison. At the time, the pork, beef was not a thing we had. Lamb. We And chicken. We had a... Because one oh, time we ran out of lamb. venison and out of pork. So we were in between, like, butchered dates. The pigs were growing. It wasn't deer season yet. And we were laughing because... We, had, we sang a song, the days of lamb and chicken. <laughs> That's right. We just had lamb and chicken. <laughs> oh, man. It Those got were, old. Yeah, <laughs> lamb and chicken. Lamb is such a flavor, which we like. But if you're eating lamb every other night, and it's not your favorite cuts because it's the end and of And we the... were so new at lamb. So I was like trying to make like here's spaghetti with ground oh, lamb, yeah, and it didn't no. work. No, and I didn't know great. why. That wasn't the, great. The days of lamb and chicken. Yeah, but we were providing all our own meat. Uh, you ventured into the dairy world. Yeah. A miserable failure at first. Well, for, yeah, goats. Blame because the it goats. was goats. Yeah, we quit that. I mean, on that homestead, I think we quit and started goats like three times. Oh, my. <laughs> you you milked her once. Oh, man, she was a wretched... <laughs> Our first La Mancha. Oh, man, I remember you threw the pail. Bam, oh. done. I'm never doing that again. And then I was like, well, no, we have this goat. We got to milk her. And then I tried to be the goat milking guy. And, well, we all know how that turned out. Look at us. We found our way. You wound up getting Ladybug. Yes. You you picked up the dairy dream. Yeah, that was, we we'll call it Homestead, the original Homestead, the OG, Homestead 1.0. And there would be the years where we said, we hate this. We're quitting it all and going on the road. And that didn't happen. Oh, there I were, remember what I was going to say. There were years when we would explode with growth and kind of level up. And we always talked about Homestead 2.0. Like we had started that plan. Ah, yeah, interesting. And for us, at the 10-acre homestead with one dairy cow, and but we weren't buying meat, but we also didn't have a ton of variety. We wanted more. Homestead 2.0 was always bigger. Bigger. We would do more. Yeah, we wanted... More land, bigger buildings. We had a tiny little uh, barn that we had built that we were kind of bursting at the seams for storage. And we wanted to have more pasture for animals. I wanted more land for hunting. And then even just our home, all the things we had experienced up to that point, we wanted 2.0, 2.0. Yeah, bigger. And we were limited in what we could do at the time. We wound up starting the podcast. Started the podcast. There it is. We wound up... Started the YouTube channel. Only eventually. podcasting because I was still working in construction, right? I couldn't go do YouTube videos. I was never home during you did, the daylight. You did a little bit of YouTube. After a year or two, but I in the beginning, it was just podcast. Yeah. Don't don't forget, like, you started the podcast and our third, our, our uh, second daughter was with you podcasting. Right. And then she is in one of those early yeah. YouTube videos. We would YouTube, like, once a month or... Yeah, just It was really regular. But then, this, thanks to you guys listening and anybody watching on YouTube, 
uh, this started to take off. And we got to be where we were ready to make the leap. So we did. We went full-time with Homesteady. Yeah, it was like, at the same time, the housing market was going down. So your dad didn't have work to keep you in the construction. Right. So it was you kind of said, hey, lay me off, and then I'm going to do the YouTube and podcast full-time. Right. And that got some steam to the point where we now were making a living off of this, but it was still Connecticut, the cost of living, everything was still kind of like, it was tight. And then your dad pitched us yeah, as we, he had for years. Years. Come, come to PA, come to the family farm. We'd always said no. We were tied to Austin's work in Connecticut. Uh, but yeah, everyone, everything had been laid down now, right? All these stepping stones were laid out in front of us. You were working from home. We had wanted a bigger property. And he, he comes in and says, hey, come to this bigger property. Help me manage the family farm. We're for f- after oof, five years yeah. being married in Connecticut. This was finally the time where we could say, wow, we could actually do this. Like, okay. Now the family farm is about a hundred acre property. Eight years. Eight years he'd been telling us, move back to PA, move back to PA. <laughs> he had watched us grow our homestead and enjoy and doing grow the our farm family. And kind of bursting at the seams now in Connecticut. And he said, why don't you guys come to the family farm and manage the family farm? We weren't given the family farm. It's actually owned by your dad and his siblings. It's a like a family trust. But we could come and manage parts of it, big, big pastures, and within reason have a lot of say as to how we would use it. So we being livestock people and you having just gotten into the cow world. Yeah. And and always talking about bigger, right? Farm two point oh. Yeah. Seemed the great a great opportunity. Yeah. So we said yes. And we made a huge move from Connecticut to Pennsylvania with all our animals, all our livestock. Oh, that's our animals. Um, all our... Maybe you meant animals as children. Equipment. <laughs> all our animals. Our human animals and our animal animals. Our only four children at the time. We were quite a caravan. We actually had to do two with two each time two vehicles. And one time we had a truck... With a trailer attached to it. And on that trailer, I always wonder if people driving by were just so confused. <laughs> it was a dump trailer, like a you know a landscaping trailer. There was two crates with live goats in it. Going, man. Not meh. dead goats. No, fortunately. On top of the goats was kayaks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just imagining somebody driving by. Seeing the kayaks first and being like, oh, look, this they're going whitewater rafting. What? It was a pretty amazing journey. Yeah, it was intense getting everything from Connecticut to Pennsylvania. But we did it. We did it. And we settled in here. And we've been here for now. Five years. Five years, going on our fifth year. And over that time, 2.0, Farm 2.0, we have really, I feel we leveled up in a huge way. Yeah, we've expanded a lot. In our recent video on YouTube, we talked about what we've learned in our college 
ag course being here on the family farm for the last five years. It's like our four-year college experience yeah. here. It's been bigger than we ever could have done on our own, doing the field management, the grazing, the fencing, the barn, the hay, figuring all this stuff out, tractors on a larger scale than we ever would have been able to as homesteaders on our own. We've been here going on five years now, and in that time, we've been able to produce all our families meet. We've been able to get into doing dairy. Of course, we have egg production here. We grew our cow herd from just a single family milk cow to now we have 12 cows out in the field, cows and bulls combined. We went from having just mini jerseys to getting into different breeds. We tried out some highlands. We have a Guernsey cow. What's been your favorite part about it? Like, what's been your favorite thing to learn? I know what your favorite Oh, thing grazing. Yeah. Grazing. I found my homestead calling. I hate cleaning the barn. And so I was like, well, I'll go move the animals in the field. And I never came back to the barn. <laughs> what's been your favorite thing to learn here over the last four years? Cows. So much cows. <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to rotationally graze every animal including camels we rotationally grazed camels with different kinds of fencing setups and different kinds of equipment to have the space to be able to grow our herd as much as we have to bring a bull on when we needed to and we couldn't get the ai to work and to try different breeds of cows to be able to milk with the machine that wasn't something i did in connecticut and i was able to do that because my dad's very mechanical and he fixed the pump for me so my milker would work. He's been able to help me figure out how to use a milk machine on my cows. So cows. The answer is always cows. I got like a shepherd in me. Like I like to wander through the forest, wander the rolling hills, guide the herd where they have to go. Except um, you don't like sheep. But definitely not sheep. What do you call a, a cow, cow shepherd? A cow herder. A cowboy! That's what you call it. I want to be a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, it's been an awesome college education. And now... We're... Okay. Now we are moving on. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. We know after hearing everything that we were able to do at this homestead, it's kind of shocking to hear that we're going to leave it all. We saw it in the comments as we released our YouTube video. A lot of people were very surprised. 
But if you want to understand why, again, why are we leaving this place that's really been great for us over these last five years? Well, you got to go back to that dream. And we talked about it more in our video. People were like, what? You just spent five years like making this a great farm. Because we did a lot of infrastructure projects here and just management. And it's, I mean, we produced more food than we've ever produced in our life this year. And we're going to leave it all. And it's scary. Maybe a little crazy. Maybe. It's also... What do you call it? It's like fulfilling a dream of ours. It's fulfill it. What, well, what's I mean, a nicer that's why. Word? It's, it's, we're it's because of a dream. Just because of this dream we've had since we had a little boy 12 years ago. This dream to have a little simple cabin off grid that we made with our own hands just for our family. It never went away. Give me chills. We've, throughout the years, in Connecticut, here, it always comes back up. Yeah, our off-grid homestead. We started watching, do you remember in the apartment, watching uh, Frontier House together? Yes, Frontier House. Is that where this all started? <laughs> Can I blame Thank PBS? Thank you, PBS. Yeah, Frontier House. Have you, you ever seen it? Them build their cabin with him and his dad build that cabin together yeah and that like and because you did not come from this agricultural no your dad's a builder though yeah his dad was a builder yeah and i think seeing them work together yeah i think that put that bug in you to someday build a house with your dad my dad's a master builder he built homes right up <laughs> right up until i was born and then he stopped because the market crashed and he had to do something else. So I never, ever got to build a home with my dad. I did get to build a barn uh, back at our Connecticut homestead with him. And that was such a cool experience. My, our son got to help a little bit, but yeah, they, they were little at the time. And it was just this little taste of like, oh man, yeah, remember that, that dream of like doing that. We are so fortunate right now to still have all our parents. And our parents bring so much knowledge, wisdom to building, to planting, to designing, that we really want to take this time now and have this opportunity with them to build our home. So finally, not only will I get to be working on a from scratch home with my dad, you also have a dad who's really good at this and you'll be able to, you're going to say that or? Well, I can't. I'm feeling a little emotional Oh, about no. <laughs> We're going to get to work with our dads. And our moms, and too. And our moms. We're going to get to work with skills. our family. Uh, and our kids. That's different. We never... Our, our little cabin dream, our, our little ones, our biggest ones were so little. I mean, we're going to have generations putting this house together. <laughs> Are you feeling emotional? Yeah, too? that's awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, if you've been wanting to start, this helps you take that step. Take it with us. Start looking for your property. Start your YouTube channel at your farm. Start your podcast. So we're inviting you. Comment below. Like, now start the dream with us. Do it with us. Let us know in the comments below what's your dream that you've been waiting on that we're just, we want to know. What do we nudge you to just do? Dreams don't just come true, right? Like, they don't just happen. Most of the time, you have to... 
take a moment and say, well, now I'm going to do this. I'm I'm getting older. We're getting older. You're getting older. I'm Benjamin I'm, Buttoning. <laughs> I'm 38 years old. I'm not getting any younger. Health problems keep popping up, and you never know what's going to happen. So is it looking at the economy right now and the price of building construction things, is it the perfect time to build a house? Ooh. No. <laughs> no, we should have done it 10 years ago. Yeah. But there's no time like the present. We're all getting older at the same it's rate. all getting more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Everything's getting harder. And if you wait for the perfect time to do your dream, it's just never going to happen. And that... I've waited long enough. The saying about a tree, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. No, no. It was like like 10 years ago. That's definitely not what they say. The best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. Should we just say it now? Yeah, I think we've come. (laughs) Yes, so here we are. Here's the announcement. Yeah, here we are on our family farm in PA where we've been caretaking. And we are... We're ready. We're... We're going to find that lady from the bank. (laughs) (laughs) We're leaving this Pennsylvania family farm. And we're going to build our dream that we've had since... That little baby was born. We're going to build an off-grid home, simple homestead, all our own. From scratch. From scratch. It is a, basically a reboot. I wouldn't say we're going back to the size we were in Connecticut. No. We're not going to replicate anything near what we have here. Yeah, it's kind of, we're starting our own path as far as this goes. After homesteading now for going on over a decade, for homesteading over a decade at this point, uh, we have learned so much from our tiny place that we kind of fell into in Connecticut. We've learned so much from our big family farm experience here. We're going to kind of create this hybrid, which is what we wanted in the first place. And we're going to do this project. So if you're interested in starting your own homestead from scratch, we're going to find raw land. We're going to do it debt-free. Yep. We are attempting to do it (laughs) debt-free. We're going to We're already pricing stuff out and we're like, oh boy. (laughs) We're now we're doing debt-free. It's not because we have a million dollars in the bank and we're ready to burn it up. Uh, we're going to do a very low budget because we're kind of That's bootstrapping it as we go. <laughs> and we're going to share it all. We're going to show the whole process as we build this on the YouTube channel. And we're going to actually, exciting news here with, with for you podcast listeners, we're going to be back to me and Kay doing the show mostly and sharing every month updates from this huge project, this huge uh, homestead from scratch project that we're beginning. So. What things are going to be different, Aust? We are, if we're going to do it, we have to do it a lot different than what we have in our Pennsylvania homestead. Yeah, because like you said, this was accelerated for us. This, at our stage, 
this took my parents 40 years to build up. Yeah. So we're definitely not at this stage of a pole barn and a barn and a house. No, and no. all the utilities that are here, uh, we won't be able to to replicate this, you know, for at least another 40 years. <laughs> so we're really kind of going back to bare bones simplicity and saying, what is what have we learned over the last decade? What do we need? So, of course, a homestead isn't a homestead without a home. Yeah. So we're going to be putting up a home on raw land. We do want to bring all our livestock. I shouldn't say all. We'll get to that in a little bit. We're not bringing everybody. But uh, we do want to have our livestock. Right. We still want the food independence. Right. So we still want to provide our own meat and dairy um, eventually add to that more vegetables. So we need infrastructure fruit. there for animals and our home. Uh, we want to do this off grid, which is a big change for us. I don't think we, I don't know that we ever, our initial plan for our initial home was off grid, our initial dream, but it was purely necessity back then. Is it any different now though? <laughs> That's true. I actually, yes. Okay. So here's why it's different. Back then, when we were young, broke, just starting out, we were going to go off-grid because we just couldn't afford a property that had utilities, and we couldn't afford to build the house with all the utilities already. So it was like, we're going to put up a yurt and, you know, poop in a bucket. Damn the torpedoes. (laughs) Now... (laughs) It is still... Poop in a bucket and damn the torpedoes. Those were... They uh, they go well together. <laughs> I feel like it's still kind of going to help us do this sooner, the fact that we're willing to go off-grid. But I actually think there's more of an appeal to going off-grid for us right now. We've been maintaining this family farm, and it's a big, it's multiple buildings, multiple structures, multiple wells, multiple, like there's lots of maintenance and lots of things to run. And I'm not Bob Vila. How dare you? We we both have a nice mustache. Does Bob still have the mustache? I have no idea. I haven't idea. seen Bob in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not super handy. I know you're shocked. So having all this to maintain and not being really good at maintaining it, I am craving a simpler form of infrastructure and building that I am more familiar with. So for example, we have three wells on this property and we've had a lot of trouble with wells over the years. Well pumps, yeah, all sorts of... Uh, all knows, our homesteads. Knows, yeah, the issue. And I don't really understand very well how wells work. I mean, I'm not an idiot, but like I can't go fix my own well. I can't say, okay, this is what's wrong and this is how I replace it. But because we've had well trouble over the last few years, we have been experimenting with rainwater catchment for multiple years now. And I know how to run a rainwater catchment system enough where we've watered our entire herd of cows, which now is 12 cows, all with rainwater this year. No problems. And we actually had a really dry summer. So it's not that like, oh, well, you know, we just had a ton of rain, but we've really been able to manage this and learn a lot about it. When something goes wrong with the rainwater catchment system, it's very simple. Simple doesn't mean easy. Simple doesn't mean... uh, 
no work, but it's simple. You, I understand you know it, it and I can fix it. And won't this be different for everybody as they're setting up their homestead? Like, if you're a septic installer, right? Not if, but you are. I you am. did it. So you know how to install a septic system. Yeah. So for us, will we do a composting toilet or put in a, put in a septic system? We're actually not sure yet. Yeah. But a septic system is not intimidating for you. No, I know if how they work. If you own a well company we and you're starting a homestead, I bet you're going to put in a well. Yeah. You understand them. You know how they work. You know how to fix them. It doesn't mean we'll never put in a well. It just means we're not going to start off investing in a well when we know how the rain catchment system works and we can design that ourselves and maintain that ourselves. Right. Right. So just this off-grid now... What appeals to me about off-grid is when it comes to we want to do some solar power, I understand how batteries in DC works compared to wiring your house. I've worked with it wiring the boat. <laughs> I have a boat with a 24-volt system. I've worked with that. I understand the basics there. I know how rainwater catchment works. I know how firewood works. We did firewood back in Connecticut. We did a lot of firewood. We do a little firewood here, but it's not... The house isn't designed for it. Uh, I feel like the, the off-grid lifestyle now appeals more because I know I can be a better manager of these systems than I am currently. Hmm. Well, I like the sound of that. It's not, like you said, it's not, simple is not easy. No. Simple is, simple is one house and compared to three structures to maintain. Right, which is what we're maintaining here. Yeah, simple is being able to chop down a tree for firewood as opposed to do we have enough oil? What's the cost of oil? Are we dependent on oil right now? This is something we announced this on the YouTube channel and we got a lot in the comments. People saying like, oh, you don't like to do maintenance? Well, you're not going to be able to do firewood. And it's really important. That's why we use the words we do to like listen to what we're saying because... We're, we're homesteaders for over a decade. We do all our meat. We rotationally graze every day. We move our animals every day. We work our fields. We do all our own butchering. You and me are not afraid of work. We like good, honest farm work. We like simple work, right? There's, you know, when you talk to people, why do you want to homestead. Well, I want to go back to simpler times. What does that mean? Fast food is convenient, right? It's not, by not eating out fast food, you're not like, my life's so easy now. I never go to McDonald's. I, we have chickens. It's so much easier than going to McDonald's to raise chickens and milk a cow. It's not easier. No. So what is it that people are saying when they say, I want to go back to simpler times? That means different things to different people. In my mind... We, we lead kind of... Was that a... Oh yeah, it was a calf that just ran by our window. <laughs> saw a cow run by our window. That's what happens when you live in a homestead. Cows yeah. run by your window. We lead these, these lives that have become more and more artificial over you know, history, right? Whereas a thousand years ago, when you wanted to eat chicken, you killed a chicken and everybody understood that, right? Now, 
There are people who will go and order chicken McNuggets, but then you'll say, oh, I raise chickens for food. And they're like, oh, ew, don't tell me about it. Don't, oh, gross, 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 gross. Would you like fries with It's that? like their nugget is just this fake little nugget thing. And I'm not even dissing the nugs. I'm saying like the, the concept is, this is not a living, this is just a little nugget, right? So, and then like, when you earn a living for your family, you go and you do a job at a place away from okay, your home. Okay, you're going to work. Well, you need your car, so this right, yes. This car has been manufactured to take you to work. So imagine everything that goes into that, plus you're driving, you're waking up, your clothing, everything to... You can't just walk to work. Everyone expects you to be able to drive to work and get there right on time. And, and to have that vehicle, you need to maintain that vehicle and get it inspected and you need insurance on that. So now you're paying money for a thing that might never happen and you don't want to happen. And now you need daycare for your kid or school for your kid, right? To take care of them. There's the rush, there's the schedule, there's the all the emotion that comes with that. And it doesn't feel simple. Oh man, this is just to get to work. And it's that you don't it, even want to go to probably. Right. A lot of people's work is not fulfilling, right? You go and you spend eight hours of your life, and I know there are people listening to this podcast right now who are hearing me say this, and they're like, oh yes, I hate my job. This is me you're talking about, Austin. They're there because they're, they love their family and they will do anything to feed their family and give put food on the table, right? But they don't like what they do. They just do it because somehow their life went in a funny way and they wound up sitting at the desk they're at right now and they don't want to be there, they're just doing it because they have. They feel like they have to. And all this complexity and all this artificial stuff, it's like we just want to, all I want to do is raise a chicken and then kill it and eat it. And say here, family. Enjoy, family. Chicken. And if that sounds like you, you're a square peg. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I guarantee that woman at Wells Fargo did not desire to raise kill and feed her family a, a whole chicken. It's a long time ago, though. Maybe I bet she's changed. changed. Do you remember her name? No. We Maybe. could probably find it, though. I think it was like Donna. We had emails. Wasn't it Donna? All of this to Donna, say... Donna, you're listening. <laughs> all of this to say... When we say we want simple, we're, we're, this is... Okay, because this is big. We're literally designing... We have a mission statement for our new... Our Austin loves a mission 3. statement. 0. Just so I you know. do believe it was you who said we need a mission statement. It doesn't sound like me. It doesn't, and yet I a hundred percent believe it was you who were like, you know, what we need. It's we need a mission maybe. statement. I, I vaguely remember oh, saying. I didn't get that. on camera. I can't vaguely remember saying something like that. It's the three S's: self-sufficient, simple, and. Super affordable. affordable. <laughs> I always want to say super cheap, but super affordable sounds nicer. So if you want to start homesteading on your own and you want a self-sufficient, simple, and by simple, we're not just talking about like what's there, but also in managing and running this. Simple. Not easy, but simple. And super, super affordable. affordable. Guess what? We're going to be sharing everything we're doing for this project. So uh, hopefully it can help some of you guys get started. So now, what should you actually expect to see as a result of this 
self-sufficient, simple, and super affordable homestead that we're building from scratch. On a YouTube channel, we actually just put out a video where we talked about the seven big differences that we're going to have in our next homestead compared to what we did here. If you want to learn all seven, you can go and watch that video. But there are a couple ones that we figured would be good to talk about in the podcast today. Big differences that just by nature of going off-grid, trying to be more self-sufficient and simple as we build this homestead, uh, because we want to do that, we are looking at a smaller property than what we're currently managing. And we're actually going to be building a smaller house than what we currently live in, which surprised a lot of people on YouTube because we have a big family. And the idea that we would be moving a big family into a smaller home, not quite a tiny home by square footage you know, guidelines, but for a big family like ours, it will be quite tiny. Um, a lot of people were surprised we were going to do that. But we thought it through pretty well. We actually have some pretty good reasons why we were deciding to do this change in our lifestyle. And we are not a small family. We have six kids. The house we're in right now, it's packed full of our stuff. <laughs> this is going to be a large project for us to not only build this house, but also get rid of so much stuff so we can fit it all in our new house. Yeah. There will always be cleaning with six kids. There will always be laundry. If we can minimize all of these things that we're picking up and cleaning and washing and putting away, then my life can be less focused on just wrangling stuff and focus on the things that I enjoy more. Being with the kids, being with you, working outside, taking care of the animals. That's the biggest one for me. Here's what has happened is I've got more kids. I've got more stuff to do, right? I have, I have babies to 12-year-olds. Now, I could every day wake up and clean and do laundry. And I do that, but I'm still behind. And I will never be caught up because it does not exist in the world of children and families to be caught up with cleaning and cooking and laundry. So things get, things get not done, right? The, the cleaning suffers because I want to sit with my baby and enjoy time with her. I want to play with my three-year-old. I, the kitchen needs clean, but I don't want to do it four times a day where right. I used to. Oh yeah. I used to clean the kitchen four times a day and now it's slipping. I feel like more and more stuff, the more we have, the more I have to let some of it go. And I don't like that. I like to live in order, Yeah. which is very hard to do with so much stuff. And the goal for me is that I'm not having to make this choice between like, let's spend five hours cleaning a house or spend time with my kids. I don't want to have to make no, that choice. Yeah. So if I can spend 30 minutes, and we can, we can all of us, right, spend 30 minutes, clean the house, guys. Now it's done. Let's go outside and play. Yeah. Let's all sit down and play. I feel like something that's been interesting over the last couple of years as our business did better, as we came here and we had access to more things, the square 
edges from being rounded off by our life getting kind of taken over by more and more, you know, normal, like you got to have your central air and you got to have your, your uh, two vehicles and you got to have, you know... A studio space. Yeah, right? yeah, right? Like we, like, we really were the goldfish expanding to fill our bowl. And although we started all our life as this square peg and we did that for a long time, coming here, I mean, that's a, I, have a, I had an office studio that, look, we were able to produce the podcast from and it's its own entire space. And it's been really nice to have some of these things and to experience these things. But now we're making a decision because with more things comes time and all this stuff we've been talking about. We're looking at our kids grow, right? We're looking at them get older. We have kids who are, we have multiple kids who are double digits. And we're already starting to do math and say, how many more years do we have to spend with these kids? I mean, here, living with us here at home, obviously. (laughs) Um, And we're making another, you and me have always been really good from that early time when we were like, we're gonna live in a yurt. We've always been really good at taking a hard look at our life, where it's headed, and then course correcting. And sometimes it's after we've been disappointed by things, but we don't just stay doing something we're not happy with. We're looking at our kids get older. We're seeing the time, like you mentioned, the time spent cleaning. Me, it's time spent working, maintaining, running things. Just working to pay bills for things, all the things. And now we're saying, how can we minimize? How can we simplify? so that we're maximizing our time, you and me, and with our kids. So it's not a matter of, it's just a matter of saying, these humans and the experiences we share are more important than stuff. Let's get rid of stuff, simplify, and be together more. Yeah, we're gonna move very light. We're gonna update you as we go. You're gonna see a lot of things that choosing the new property, choosing our house. Is it a yurt dream finally come to fruition? Yep. Um, choosing how, you know, how are we going to build this from the bottom up? What kind of off-grid systems, systems will, we, have in will place? we use? A lot of people heard us talking about no well and rainwater only and are thinking you're, we're crazy. Don't worry, we've already been consulting with professionals in this world, and we have some awesome stuff to share with you, some really great people we're already working with to design and develop this new homestead. I really suggest, if you haven't got to our YouTube channel yet, I know I'm not telling podcasters to change there. We'll still be here on the podcast. We're going to tell this story and share everything. Some things are more fun to see. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff <laughs> Like in choosing that, a new property. Which is coming out soon, So, or maybe is already out. So um, definitely try to just get in. And the best thing you can do is get on our email list because I'll send those things out in email so everybody gets everything. Uh, Really, really exciting stuff coming. And we're going to be sharing a lot of it. And we're going to try to be more frequent on the podcast than we've been um, because there's so much happening so quick with this project that... We want to keep you informed so we don't have to do like four-hour podcasts once a year. (laughs) (laughs) It's not been once a year. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you in the next update of our brand new homestead. We're really excited to be sharing this journey. If you're dying to know more, there's a couple of great YouTube videos you should go check out. Just search Homestudy on YouTube. You'll find our channel, and you can learn more about what we're doing. We'll see you in the next episode.